this morning, what I want to talk to you this morning about is what it costs to believe on Christmas. This is the Christmas season, and, season and, and, and there truly is a cost for us to celebrate Christmas. We all have the cost associated with it. And I want to talk about that this morning because the Christmas season is an amazing season. It's a fun season, but at the same time, it can be a hard season for many of us because there's memories of lost ones and things of that nature. And so we are certainly conscious of that, and we want to agree with you that we would, uh, the Lord would just comfort you for those that are struggling in the Christmas season. But I want to talk about what does it really mean when, it, when we talk about believing the Christmas story. What does it really cost to believe? Last week we talked about believing and how we were to believe like Abraham believed. Abraham believed, and when he believed, it was credited to him as righteousness. Whereas when the demons believed, they shuddered. There was a difference in what it took to believe that would credit to righteousness and, and what it would believe just to leave you to fright and fear. So today I want to talk to more, this morning about the, the, being the Christmas season and so forth. And, and yes, as, as important as it is to believe actively, meaning that we put our faith and our action and our believing to make it a verb and not a noun called belief, but a verb called believing, I want to talk this morning about the cost. What does it really cost to believe? There is a cost to believing. Heaven knows that. Heaven knows that. And by the time that we look at the cost that it took heaven to bring Christmas to earth, I just wonder if we, if we really appreciate it, if we really can, uh, can, can comprehend the cost to heaven. Our text this morning is found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, not a typical Christmas passage. But it says, Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. This is Jesus. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Let's talk about what it cost heaven a little bit here for Christmas to come to earth. What did it cost heaven? Well, heaven gave up its best. Heaven gave up its only child, the best one, the favorite child. What do you think it was like when, when Jesus left heaven to enter the womb of a woman, a womb that he created, now he is a part of, he actually comes down and is part of his creation. It's a pretty amazing thing to think about, isn't it? The God that created the womb now becomes part of the womb. He left all of the splendor and all the luxury and all the comfort of heaven to come into a human life of poverty and of difficulty. He didn't come as a normal king. We could almost understand that. We could almost comprehend that. We could almost see if God was to come to be the ruler of the world from the very beginning, we could almost see how he could do that. But that's not how he came. I want to read something to you this morning, what I found that kind of talked about what it must have been like in heaven on that Christmas morning. Just listen as I read this. They must have been confused. The angels, as they watched Jesus take off his robe and lay aside his crown, perplexed even more when his father escorted the son to the gates of heaven, commissioning him to leave. 
the beloved one to leave the warmth and joy and wholeness of heaven. Never would they have thought. Certainly there must be a reason, and they must have followed behind the father and the son to discover it, to watch the goodbyes, to see these strange events unfold. The son, the light of heaven, gone away. They must have wept at the removal of his presence, at seeing the only son torn from his father's side. God, knowing his good purposes, must have comforted them, saying something like, It's time. The salvation the prophets have inquired about and searched carefully for is to come. Yes, they must have replied, excitement building, these are the things we have desired to look into. And so he escorted them to the gates of heaven as well, and he sent them too. They arrived at a destination they did not expect. It was not Jerusalem or a palatial home among the elite. It was not among the religious leaders or even a large city. Bethlehem, little Bethlehem, out of the way Bethlehem. And there, in a barn, among slobbering, smelly animals, a young mother giving birth to a child. A child so familiar. Could it be? And suddenly the plan was known, crystallized before them in a newborn boy. All this time, the world burdened under the weight of sin, disastrously off course. All this time, the humble men and women waiting, eyes towards heaven. All this time, the blood of the animals. All this time, God far off. The angels must have exploded with joy to see their only heavenly joy swaddled up and given as a gift to mankind. Their gift would become earth's humble men and women would get to see him and hear him and touch their beloved Jesus. In their rejoicing, they did what anyone would when they receive an immeasurable gift. They shared it by singing, by revealing themselves to people. I wonder, did the neighbors or the innkeeper or the many crowded in Bethlehem's streets hear their rejoicing? After all, it was a normal evening with food preparations and business, businesses to take care of and children to put to bed. Perhaps they were too busy to notice the bright star in the sky or the strange singing outside their windows, oblivious to the joy. The shepherds didn't miss it. Their explo this explosion of joy so overwhelmingly that it made them uncomfortable and fearful. The angels calmed them. Don't, do not be afraid. Don't miss this. The greatest gift ever given to this world can be seen in Bethlehem. Go. To their unending joy they went. They saw the gift, just a helpless little boy, a baby who unburdened the world, a baby who made all sin come untrue, a baby who was God come near. He is your unending joy too, for you, for unto you is born this day a Savior, Christ the Lord. Like the angels, we must look into these things to see understanding. But like the shepherds, we must seek him to see the gift wrapped up in a little baby to know, to know this joy. For what purpose, for what purpose did Jesus come to earth? Why did he come? The next verse in Philippians, our text, and the next verse, Philippians 2, verse 8, says this, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming, obe by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So here we take Christmas Day, the celebration of this little baby coming to earth, and his mission was to die. He came to die. 
Do you see a cost here? Do you see a cost of heaven? Can we even begin to appreciate how truly how much Jesus and all of heaven gave up so that we can have an opportunity to live again? If we could see this, this should be putting our faces to the floor. This should just be humbling us down to the point that we can be nothing besides looking up at God and saying, why? And then thank you. When Jesus came to earth, although, how was he received? How was he received by the people? How was Jesus received by the multitudes? We see the prophet Isaiah prophesying how he would be received. 400 plus years before he ever came, this is what the prophet Isaiah said. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2 and 3 he prophesied about Jesus, saying that he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. This is the Son of Heaven. This is the child of the Most High God. And yet we... The creation hold the creator to low esteem. Man, it makes me think. Jesus left the riches of heaven to become the poor of earth. Do we get this morning, do we really understand what the true cost of heaven is? Do we truly understand what the true cost of Christmas is that heaven gave up? That Jesus would believe, listen to this, that Jesus would believe his father's message that he had to come to be the only way back to the Father? Jesus believed it. He, he put action to his believing like Abraham put action to his believing, like you and I put action to our believing. Jesus had to believe with action that his Father's plan was the only way. Do we get that? And, and then that was just day one. His birth was just day one. And then he had to live for 30-plus years totally unknown to the people around him of who he really was. Can you imagine what it, what, it, what it was like for Christ Jesus to be born, to be raised for 30 years, and he can't say who he is? See, he was born in a baby in the, humble, in the, in the humblest of ways. We would have seen in that little video the mess that he was born into of that stable. It was raised in, in, as the firstborn in a carpenter shop. They weren't wealthy. They were a poor family, and Joseph worked every day for his living, and Mary did, was a great mom, I'm assuming, by providing for the family needs. He had to work hard for a living. Can you imagine Jesus probably being ridiculed as a child for being a goody two-shoes because he wasn't like everybody else? He didn't get into all the trouble that everybody else got into. I'm sure that Jesus was ridiculed by his peers. There was a lot of peer pressure on him, i got to imagine, as he grew up. And he, but he could never explain to his friends why he couldn't do those things. <laughs> he could never say, hey, guys, listen, I would do what you're doing, but here's the deal. I'm the son of God, and I can't do that because my mission here is to live a perfect life. And so if you understand that, you'll give me a little bit of slack here. Okay, guys, just back off a little bit because of who I, Jesus couldn't say that. No, he had, to, he had to put up with it, guys, just like you do, teenagers. 
Just like you do, college students, just like you do, you have, they, you have to be able to stand up in the face of persecution because of who you believe in. Just like Jesus had to stand up on it because he was believing in his Father's mission. And it takes courage, it takes strength, it takes, it takes great character to stand up like that. And me and you, dads, as fathers of our home, are we standing up that way? Are we being the priest of our home, on the job, or at home? See, Jesus was on a rescue mission. Jesus knew why he came. Jesus knew why he was alive, and he knew that he came to die. Let's continue to read Isaiah chapter 53, beginning at verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his own generation protest, protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. Now imagine this. Jesus knew the scripture. He knew prophecy. He read Isaiah. He was learned on those 30 plus years and before his ministry started. He had read this. How much do you think this weighed on him? Knowing that this was written about him. And he was going to be that man that was going to be oppressed and afflicted and punished. And it was the Lord's will, it was his Father's will to crush him. How do you think that weighed on him over the years of growing up? Do you see a cost of Christmas here? Man, when I studied this and I, I started to understand this, this, this just weighed me down to the point of I, don't, I can't comprehend it. And if you say you can, you can't. If you say you can, then you don't know what you're talking about because we cannot begin to comprehend what Jesus gave up to be my friend and to be your friend and to be our Savior. How much did his believing and obeying his Father cost Jesus? How much? Can you write it down? Can you describe it? Can you put it in a paragraph? Can you put it in some sentences? See, we like the fun parts of life. We like the parts of life that all make us want to party and enjoy life. And there's good things to party and enjoy life over. I say it in a good way. I don't mean it in a way, bad way. But, you know, the world has taken it to an extreme, though. The world has taken Christmas. And as we all know, they're taking Christ out of Christmas so that it's Xmas or that it's just the holidays. And they're making it a great holiday to spend with family. Good things, not bad things. People are taking time off from work and 
and, and, and watching hours and hours of football and, and eating lots of food and opening gifts and celebrating and just having a plain old good time. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's fun. We can do that. But for the most part, no one that's doing that has any idea why they're doing it. They have no concept of what heaven gave up so that they could watch holiday football games. <laughs> they have no idea what Christmas really is. So it's very important that we understand that. It's very important that we keep Christ in Christmas and we understand truly why. And it's important that every person to know that you have a cost to believe, that you're going to be persecuted for your beliefs that way, that you're going to be different. You're going to have to stand alone. You're going to have to, be sta- you're going to, have to stand against the crowd of the public opinion in today's age because the public opinion in today's age doesn't keep Christ in anything, especially Christmas. I have a little video clip I want to show you this morning that speaks about the cost of Christmas and the price that Christians will have to pay if we're going to be willing to stand up for what they believe. Larry, if you could run that. There is a cost to believing. The question is, are you and I willing to stand up for it? Jesus said, if any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself daily and follow me. There is a price. Jesus is saying there is a price to follow him. Today in this country, you can be scorned. People will mock you, make fun of you, and there'll even be people who will come after you and want to try to put you out of business or whatever they can do. It's just a fact of life, but it's a time for us to take a stand. We shouldn't be surprised at the cost or the price for following Christ and the hatred that can follow. You see, Jesus warned us in the scriptures. Jesus said in John 15, he said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. There is a price, no question. We know that there will be persecution. We know there'll be difficulties. There's gonna be struggles. Jesus struggled and he struggled for your salvation when he died on that cross. He expects us to take a stand. So will you do that? Take a stand, a bold stand for the Lord Jesus Christ this Christmas. To have a 34-year fire service career, childhood dream come true, fairy tale career in is astonishing to me, especially in the United States of America. We were given our own reality show. We were incredibly excited about it. And in the middle of production, while we were filming, HGTV started getting some pressure. And then just like that, our show was canceled. The war on traditional values. A firestorm of controversy surrounds it. A firestorm. They're alive right now. The ban on gay marriage was overturned in a five This is a huge moment for people in favor of same-sex marriage. attention has been drawn to a series of undercover videos in which Planned Parenthood... As we see why one school district faces a stiff penalty over prayer in general... Citing the prayer violated a 2013 court settlement. Cameras were rolling. HGTV is canceling a new reality series. We are continuing series. to follow the controversial so much has changed in America from my father's generation to where we are today. 
You know, when my father went to school, they had the Ten Commandments posted in every classroom. The teachers led in prayer at every schoolroom across America. And how that has changed today. We have taken God out of school. We've taken him out of government. We've taken him out of everything. I described my career as a childhood dream come true. When I became a firefighter in 1981, I just knew that it was what God had called me to do. Nothing like rescuing someone who's still trapped when you arrive on the scene. It's just a, a wonderful, rewarding experience. Shortly after we got out of professional baseball, we started a real estate company, and uh, a production company found out about us. They said, we're going to put together a real estate show. We're going to pitch it to networks. Well, HGTV ended up making us an offer. And the premise of the show was that Jason and I, as house flippers, were going to help families. We were more excited about doing this than just about any business we ever started. Breaking news from City Hall, where the Atlanta mayor has terminated Fire Chief Calvin Cochran after a 34-year career. The mayor's decision came after Cochran's book was published citing his biblical beliefs on sex and marriage. I was shocked. I have not been private about my faith, and so the same faith that led to my childhood dream now has me embroiled in controversy because I spoke biblical truth about God's perspectives uh, on sex and marriage. Production was going great. We were actually lifting roofs off of houses. Millions of dollars were invested in this show. But before the first episode even aired, we got fired. In 2012, Jason and I led a solemn assembly. In the middle of that, we prayed and asked God to forgive us for all the sins that were in the church and in the nation, including homosexuality, including abortion and these other things. For us to keep the TV show, all we had to do was be quiet about a few certain issues. But for us, that wasn't an option. That's what got us in a lot of trouble. Culture around us is mocking and laughing and sneering at God, but we should take a stand and we should be bold and not afraid to speak out for Almighty God and for His truth. Next year, I'm going to be traveling to all 50 states to hold a prayer rally and calling our nation to God. We're calling it the Decision America Tour. We're going to pray for this nation, and I'm going to encourage the church to get involved and take a stand. This fiery trial is a suffering for Christ. But in the Christian faith, if we have to choose between living out our faith or keeping our job, the decision for me is to live out your faith. If our faith costs us a reality show, then so be it. We have to be willing to live out our faith, whatever the cost. You know, if America has any hope, it's going to be the church. It's going to be Christians humbling themselves, praying to God and asking for not only for forgiveness of sin, but asking God for wisdom and direction. We need to ask God to give us godly men and women to lead our nation. We really believe that now is the time for the church. Get involved with the Decision America Tour. Let's join forces with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and other Christians across our city, across our state, across our nation.
We want to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. I want people to come to capital steps like this where we're going to pray. And I'm going to preach a gospel message because this is what God has called us to do. And I'm going to encourage Christians to stand up and let their voice be heard. If we don't take a stand, we may never have this chance again. Pretty eye-opening video, isn't it? Here's the question that this video raises to me and to this church. Are we willing in the community that we live in to pay the price to live out our faith? Are we willing to count the cost of what it really means to believe with an active faith? Are we prepared to suffer the uncomfortable consequences of what it means to stand up for Jesus? Sobering questions. Questions I take seriously and questions that I hope that you would take home with you today and think about these and, and, and evaluate your life regardingly. There may be those this morning that have these kind of questions about what it really means to stand up for one's beliefs and what does it really mean to serve God with everything that we have. And we might not think that's really consistent with God's word. It may not be, it may, it may seem like it's just the way for us to try to create some emotion and some passion, but I want to read something to you about Paul's life. You know who Paul is, right? Paul was the writer of more than a third of the, all the New Testament passages, the, the Bible, Paul, the Apostle Paul. I want to go back to the early church where Paul was evangelizing the world, and in the process, he was being used by God greatly. God had his hand all over Paul. Miracles, there were mighty positive things happening as Paul was writing the New Testament. Open your Bible to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, starting at verse 8. We're going to see that Paul truly understood the cost of believing. Let's read this and so we get the full picture. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that time, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and they rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you the good news, telling you to turn from these worthless, worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with the plenty of food and the fills, that fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Now, let's get the picture here a little bit. Paul, remember, in this time, there was a lot of, of, of Greek mythology. And so when Paul and Barnabas come into the city doing miracles, these people that are steeped in Greek mythology think of Paul and Barnabas as gods. So they come down to offer them sacrifices because Hermes and Zeus have come down amongst them. And, and so here they're willing to give them the honor of that. And as soon as Paul and Barnabas heard this, 
you know, they could have been tempted to say, hey, let's just soak this up a little bit. This is kind of cool. But no, they did the right thing, and they said, oh, no, 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 you're missing it. It's not about us. We're just God's servants. We're just, we're just calling out the good news of Jesus Christ. And they've directed all the praise to God like they should have been doing, and they did all the right things, all the right things. But let's read the next verse. Then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium came, and they won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. We can skip over that verse so quickly and just go right to the next one. But here's the deal. Do you know what a stoning was like? Do you know what it meant when they stoned Paul? I was going to bring one and I couldn't find it. I was going to bring a great big rock. And I was going to have Jeff or Herman, if he was here, one of the big guys or any of these big guys here that would take that stone and then ask anybody that would just come up here and stand here and let that man throw that stone at them as hard as they could. Because that's what a stoning was about. It wasn't throwing pebbles. No, they stoned people with heavy rocks trying to kill them. And they stoned Paul to the point that they thought he was dead. Now, wait a second. Paul was God's man of the hour. God was doing everything right. I mean, Paul was doing everything right before God. He was doing nothing wrong. Why would Paul have to pay this cost of doing the right things? See, somehow, somehow we have come up with a notion in 2015 that if I'm going to be a Christian, I shouldn't have to suffer for it. Somehow I've been sold a bill of goods that I can live for Christ today and it's easy and, and, and since Jesus paid the price for my sins, all I have to do is say a simple prayer saying, Jesus, I'm sorry, and I've been, I'm in the Salvation Club, and now I can go ahead about my life and just live it for any way I want to and not have to suffer for Christ because, hey, it's 2015. So what? Why does that make a difference? See, if Jesus had to suffer, if Paul had to suffer, why don't I think that I have to go through my level of suffering for Christ. Some of us won't even make it out to church on a Sunday morning if we have a sniffle or we have all kinds of reasons not to be on Wednesday nights or Sunday school or, or more importantly to be out in the community seeing somebody at Myers or Walmart and praying for them or going to your neighbor to help or, or whatever. See, it's not just about church attendance. It's about being Christ in the field. We talked about a little bit during the Sunday school hours that, you know, sheep make sheep. And they make sheep when they're in the field. They don't make sheep when they're in the pen. No, they make sheep back behind the trees someplace where nobody sees them. They're out there making sheep. Well, that's what we are as Christians, folks. That's what you're doing. That's what we're doing. We're, we're out making sheep in the fields. And then we bring the little sheep to the pen at night for protection and for nurturing of the shepherd. And that's what we do. That's what church is. Church is about nurturing and shepherding. Church isn't about making sheep. <laughs> we got it all messed up. We got it all screwed up. We think you bring the unsaved to church and they get saved. No, they get saved out there. They get to be made sheep out there in the fields. And then you bring them to church. And then we can celebrate and fellowship with them and so forth. But the point of this is that do we understand the cost of our believing? Do we understand the cost of Christmas? Is there a cost to you for believing? Is there a cost? 
you better believe there is. There is absolutely a cost. And if we sugarcoat it, if we try to make that go away, then we're not doing you any service. If I sugarcoat the cost, if I say, no, just go live your life the way you want to live your life, and so I'm, you're happy with me, then I'm not doing you any service. I need to tell you the truth. There's a cost. There's a cost. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 27, and we're getting to the end here, so hang with me. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Take up their cross and follow me. I kind of wonder if the disciples had any idea what, they were, what he was talking about. Because they hadn't seen Jesus yet go through the crucifixion. But you gotta, you got to think that after the crucifixion, when they went back to this, remembering what it meant for Jesus to say, you have to take up your cross, you got to think it made, meant something a little bit different to them after the fact. Because right then and there, they probably didn't get it. Like, you know, here's the problem. Most of us sitting in churches today don't get it. American Christians, you know, I have, to, I have to think about those that are really, truly persecuted, that are martyred for heaven. They are martyred for their faith in, in Christ, and they go to heaven, and then they see the American Christians here living the lifestyles that we live, the luxuries that we have, thinking that we're on our way to heaven, and for most of us that don't make it, the martyrs are going to say, Wow. Why couldn't they do it? They didn't have to die for their faith. They just had to live for it. I, I tell you what, I don't want a martyr in heaven looking at me when I'm in hell thinking, why couldn't you live your faith? It was easy for you. You didn't die for it. I died. I, I was beheaded for mine. Well, I know this is the Christmas message. Isn't it a good one? See, if we're trying to escape the cost, then you really don't understand its value. If you're trying to escape the cost of what it means to be a Christian, that you really don't understand the value of being a Christian. Can I even ask you the fact to really examine your life? Do you really believe you are a Christian? Can you really say I'm a Christian if I don't understand the cost? If you're trying to escape the cost, then you really don't understand its value. Now, don't get me wrong. The gift of Christmas is free to all that receive it. It's a free gift, and I've done, I'm not trying to make it harder than what it is. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make it, under, let us all understand the true cost of it. It is a gift. I can't earn it. I only receive it from Jesus Christ. I accept his gift, which is the best gift ever given to mankind, and I receive it. Now, I have to be willing to maintain it. I have to be willing to pay the price of it. I have to be, be willing to um, pay the price for my own sacrificing. I have to be able to die to myself. I have to put myself on the cross on a daily basis. And why does this sound so extreme? Doesn't this, this sound so extreme, doesn't it? Why? Well, because the devil knows the deal. Can I just tell you that? That the enemy of our soul knows the deal and he knows that he's doing everything he can to get us to shortcut the deal. He's doing everything he can to bring confusion into us so that we can shortcut the deal so that we don't have to think we have to pay the price because Jesus already did. Therefore, we're, we can just receive it and, and be, be free in it and we can just live the life we want to live. And, 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 and there's so much truth in that, but there's the, the, the part of the lie part is that if we don't understand that we have a cost to our believing, then a devil is going to win 
because we're going to escape the cost. We're going to try to find a workaround. We're going to try to find the easy way out. If I find an easy way out, I'm not getting in. If I think I'm going to get to the back door, I mean, there is no back door in heaven. There's no back door. There's only one way, and that's through the narrow gate. And that's through the, that's through the walking in the life of righteousness and holiness. Jackie, if you'd come. Why does this sound so extreme? Because the devil is a liar, and the biggest lie the devil has ever said is this. It's the first one, and it's the biggest one. You will not surely die. You will not surely die. He says that to us all the time. You will not surely die. God loves you. God is a God of love. He's a God of mercy and justice. You will not surely die. Well, for the fact that God is a God of justice, you will die if you're not just. Are we truly able to understand and appreciate the true cross of Christmas this morning? I just would like us to examine our hearts a little bit this morning and, and, and think about some things. See, the enemy doesn't want us to understand the true cross of believing. I'll tell you that right now. The devil does not want you to understand the true cross of believing. And if you're doing anything thinking that you're just going to skate by, I love you enough to tell you the truth of God's word. God's word says you must accept Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And now I must put myself in a cross on a daily basis. And I must be willing to stand the price stand the cost, stand the persecution. I must be a holy person. I must be a righteous person. I must be a clean person. I must live a life of holiness and righteousness by the power of Jesus Christ in me. I can't cut around that shortcut. I can't make it short. I can't make it easy. I can only make it what it is, and that's what it is. It's a message of hope. It's a message of love. It's a message of eternity. So ask yourselves these questions as we come to a moment of where we're just going to be quiet amongst the Lord. We're going to ask evaluate ourselves, but can I truly begin to appreciate the true cost of Christmas? These questions are right in your notes. Are you willing to receive the most important and the most expensive gift heaven, ever ha heaven, heaven has to offer? And am I willing to lay down my life? Am I willing to pay the cost of laying down my life every day for that? <laughs> I gotta tell you, Christmas is a great time. Christmas is a great time. It's a time of great celebration. Because when I truly understand the cost of what it means, or as what is what it means, and I truly try to give my heart to understanding the cost, there's life in that. There's freedom in that. There's joy in that. So this morning, if you just all close your eyes with me this morning, and and I'm not sure where you're at. I know most of you in this building have probably accepted Christ, but if you've never accepted Jesus in your life, if you've never truly allowed the cost of Christmas to be evident in your life. Would you just do a really bold thing right now? Would you just raise your hand to Christ, hand to heaven and say, Jesus, I need to do that. Or maybe I need to do it again. Maybe I need to do it again. Maybe I need to raise my hand again and say, Jesus, I am so thankful. I'm going to make it real easy for us all this morning. We all need to have our hands up this morning. We all need to have both of our hands up this morning saying, Jesus, thank you for the cost. Thank you for what you did for me on that day. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if, if you want to just pray along with me and then come talk to me afterwards if you've said this prayer for the first time or the second time or if you need to renew it, don't be shy about this. Dear Jesus, I so appreciate what you did. 
I'm so thankful you died on the cross for me. But I'm even more thankful that you came in the first place. Help me with my unbelief. Help me when I don't understand. Help me when I don't see what's going on around me as necessary. Help me not to escape the cost. Help me to embrace it. Help me to appreciate it. And forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my unbelief. And make believing new and alive and real in my life. Help me to truly understand what it cost you on Christmas Day. I celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now this morning I would like to just ask anyone that maybe said that prayer and you meant it maybe for the first or the second time and you need to affirm that. Would you affirm it with me this morning before you go or with your neighbor or somebody? so that we can truly begin to hold ourselves accountable to the cost. This is not a message we need to forget. Please do not forget this message. It's probably one of the most important messages I've ever preached. Jackie, lead us in that song, and let's just sing a song of worship. You're dismissed if you have to go. If you want to stay and pray, the altars are open. Have a great holiday season. Be blessed. Know that Jesus loves you. Know that he gave it all to you, and he did it willingly. And he, and he just wants you to enter in. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Enjoy your Christmas holiday. Amen. Let's sing. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
Father, you're worth it all. You're beautiful. We worship you. We lay our lives before you. And Lord, now as we come into this beautiful season called Christmas, we celebrate. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the cost, and we apply it to our life. Be with us. Bless us. Go with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Just have a blessed holiday season. Have a blessed Christmas. Keep Christ in the middle of it and in the center of it and enjoy what he has to offer. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.